All right. So, Jason, a few weeks ago, we lose Brian Kinwald. Hmm? I was completely shocked about the news. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, I, di- I didn't know he was, you know, feeling ill or anything like that. So I don't know what, you know, you have a little bit more insight on it. Was there anything that you could talk about on there? I mean, was he feeling sick and stuff or? Well, what the, the news that I had was that he recently, well, I mean, it was a while ago now, but uh, he had, he fell down in the parking lot at hobby action. And so um, what I was told is when that happened, he, because of all the medication that he's on, he has a real bad back. So when he, or any bones, actually, all of his bones are really brittle. So he, he talked about, uh, you know, occasion, you know, frequently that he, you know, Oh, if I did this or I did that, like I could like, break a rib you know like he was pretty brittle so that's why i was moved slow and did everything slow because i think but anyway so he fell he fell at hobby action in the parking lot which wasn't like related to anything specific he just like you know lost his footing or something and fell well anyway he like broke his back somehow so he was in the the hospital for that he had surgery and it just seemed like ever since he got out of that surgery and he'd been at home, he hasn't been doing very well at all. So, you know, he, he would typically text me often, I guess. Um, depends what was going on or what he needed or what he was working on. or You know, there was just several, could be several different things. But... Um, you know, I didn't hear much from him, so which was a little bit strange. And then, you know, you kind of find out that, you know, when he did text you, I'd be like, oh, how are you doing? And and you could tell, like, just, you know, the, I think that now the last thing he said to me was, not good, I'll tell you later. Mm. So um, basically ne- later never came, never was able really to explain in detail but I, he was in a lot of pain. There was some guys local to that area that were helping him out. I think Randy Lockin and some other guys that had been helping him get back and forth to the doctors, which we didn't really know about, or most people didn't. But I think a lot of these guys were helping him out back and forth and helping him do different things. And um, yeah, I was on the way to Cody Newmandal's wedding, and I got a text from. Cliff Lett that said that if I had heard about Brian passing away, I'm like, no. Um, so, Jeez. and then it was, we were going to a wedding, but the talk of the wedding, of course, was, you know, Ken Wald and what yeah. had happened. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I was shocked. Uh, I, I think, truthfully, um, I had been kind of getting ready for it for several years already. Because every time I seen him, I could see that it wasn't uh, doing very well. Yeah, more frail. Yeah, you could see that he wasn't doing very well. Um, It was a hard time for him to stay at the races. Uh, His schedule was was difficult with his sleep and um, 
So I think he was really kind of struggling for a while. And whatever happened there with the parking lot and some different things, I think it really, Jeez. Uh, that really kind of, you know, set it, set it into a downward spiral. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I mean, that was the talk of the wedding for sure that I was at. And it just so happened that there was a ton of RC guys there. And, uh, you know, of course, everyone has their own, their Kenwald stories. And so it was, you know, it was, we were able to catch up a little bit on some of that stuff. I talked to several people on the phone while I was there, like Mark Pavitas and these guys who um, were probably knew Brian even maybe better than I did, I guess you could say. Uh, I mean, I knew him well, of course, but I mean, he started, um, Brian started RC. Mark Pavitas worked at a hobby shop called Hobby Shack. And <laughs> when Kenwald first got into RC, that's the hobby shop they came to to get their parts. So Mark met Kenwald really early. And, you know, Mark was already involved with. RC was working at that hobby shop, Hobby Shack. And um, so it was definitely Mark knew him very early and he remembered him some coming to the track the very first few times. And, Cause you know, they all kind of ran the same track there in Southern California, which is RCHR. They all ran at that track and that's where Brian got fast that's where mark pavitas got fast and uh you know a lot of other guys you know uh, the rick howard steve chamberlain cliff Lett, all these guys raced at that track jay halsey jeez uh, wow so, i mean that was that was that was the normal the normal guys yeah um you know those were the, the hot shoes and you know since it was so close to associated the associated guys you know the factory people would be down there the jeans the Roger Curtis's, Curtis's, Mike Reedy. I'm sure they were all there. Man, man. Those are some big names. Some, yeah, some of the early Reedy races were there. I don't think the very first one. I think the first one was at a place called Hot Tracks, I believe. But then I think they moved to RCHR. And that's where Kenwald started. Started there. I think met Mark pretty early. And What years are we talking about here? I want to say this is around 88, 89, somewhere around there. Okay. Maybe a touch early, earlier, uh, but that sounds about right. And, you know, by the time the 1990, 91 Reedy race came around, Kenwell was already really fast. I mean, he was already a factory associated driver. So two or three years, he was a factory associated guy, I think. Wow. That's amazing how fast, you know. A time frame like yeah, 87, yeah. 88, and next thing you know, early 90s, he's dominant force. Yeah. I, I mean, it shows you how fast it it happens for somebody that has it, right? God, yeah. Um, some people, it takes a while to get a little further along, but yeah, you, you really should be able to notice some pretty special things, I think, <laughs> when you're starting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, I think, the beginnings there. And I remember Kenwell coming to the 91 Winter Champs. I think that was the first time I ever saw him. He came there. Um, 
be 91. Yeah, 91, Winter Champs. He came with the Associated Team. And it was the year they debuted the RC-10T. Oh, wow. um, and that was the first time I ever saw Kinwald. Um, he was obviously really young-looking then, as everybody was. And didn't really say much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He always seemed um, shy. Yep. Yeah, he didn't. He, yeah, he didn't say much. Uh, I remember going over and, yeah, shit, I didn't say anything either. Um, so it was like me trying to talk to Brian at the time was like, you know, you're just like, and I just met him there for the first time. Like someone's like, oh, this is Brian Kimball. I was like, oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah. But, you know, I'm like 14 or 15 and he's probably just a little bit older than that. Um, and he wasn't the legend Kinwald yet. So, you know. Yeah, um, um, not at all. Uh, he was just a. He had the same. He had that paint job, the the blue white drips and the black in the back. He had gotten to that point already, but okay. I don't think he had. Uh, you know, hadn't really. You know, he was already, I think, fast and a threat because he had, uh, you know, at that home track of theirs because that was, you know, where a lot of the racing was going down, especially that Reedy race. Uh, he was already a threat there, which is probably why he was at the Winter Champs. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, between Associated and Reedy, they probably said, "Hey, you need to come to this race." And, uh, I want to say Brian's dad was there with him, which was kind of um, a little rare because I you didn't see his dad at many races traveling with him after that, or not that I remember. So he probably did, you know, the first several races he did with Brian, but then after that. He probably just let him go with the team. But I remember Brian doing pretty well there too. I know he, I don't think he made the A main. He ran two wheel drive and four wheel drive. And I remember him being maybe like in the B main, but I remember him still being all about tires. That's what was kind of funny because there was a, a time period uh, when. I remember uh, Cliff Lett and a few other guys recognized that the track was uh, progressing to the point where they thought you could run foam tires on a dirt car. Wow. So all the people out there um, that hate hating on the uh, you know, racing on carpet, AstroTurf, the dirt's like um, you know asphalt. In 1991, they were trying to pull out the foams to run. <laughs> So wow. uh, the, 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 t- that stuff has never, the games have never, have not existed, I guess you could say. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I remember Kenwald being one of the ones that had the foams on his car and they're the Yokomo foams and the rears had this groove around it. Uh, really cool looking, uh, tire, especially to somebody like me who is like, just got out of a racing stock truck, you know, I'm mm-hmm. just like, there's an RC 10 T there for the first time. You're seeing foam tires on a dirt off-road car. You're seeing the, the cliff lads, the Kenwalds and Halsey's and all these guys. You're just like, whoa, yeah, mind blown. Yeah. So that was a really big introduction to, to those guys. And that was the first time I met Brian and, um, and then I remember, this was probably, I don't know if that was the same year or the following year we went to, there was an on-road nationals in Orlando 
near the hotel or near the airport mm-hmm. and the, the name of the hotel was called the penta and they held the on-road paved nationals there and i remember kinwall came there with barry baker to race they uh, they roomed together so um and i had met barry and god this is probably 90 that's probably 92 yeah that sounds right so in 92 we had made made my way around to some other events and met Barry, saw Brian again at a Norca Nationals and the Roar Nationals. So, yeah. So, um, and then did that on-road Nationals in Florida. So, you know, now I'm on like my third or fourth time seeing Ken Walden. Uh, we're definitely a much, uh, uh, much closer, I guess, at that point. And then Barry bringing him into the mix who i just saw over the weekend so it's funny that i met barry and say let's call it 1992 to to now so how long is that so that's uh eight eight plus 19 what's that that's 20 i, I feel mad years? yeah that that's that sounds about right okay so yeah so known barry and kinwald you know 27 years so it's funny because Barry's one of those people that I walk into the building, any race that he's at, and we don't have to shake hands. We don't have to do anything. And we can just pick up right where we left off. <laughs> so it's like whatever the last race, the last thing that happened, we just pick right up. Yeah. So like when I saw him in Vegas for the first time, I remember walking by his pit. I didn't even stop. I just said, hey, you've had long enough to get a painted body. I don't want to see another blue body on your car (laughs) and i just kept walking and he's yelling while i'm walking he goes look 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 i got one right here so yeah he's one of those guys and uh but yeah that was yeah that was the early kenwald stuff i remember seeing uh i remember one of the when i saw kenwald race really well for the first time was my mom and I went to the it was the uh, the Norca Off Road Nationals in Amarillo, Texas. Okay. That was in '92. Awesome track. I mean, this place was really nice, and I was, you know, I was racing mod. You know, I I ran modified. I had my associated cars and. I might have even been partially sponsored by Associated. Yeah, I was. I was par- partially sponsored by Associated at that point. So I've only been racing, you know, not even two years. Um, so I was just getting kind of up to speed. And I remember watching uh, Kenwald at that race, just like him and Mark Pavitas, because they were on the same team. And I just remember watching Kenwald thinking, dude, this guy's on another, he's from another planet. Hmm. You know, this guy's so good at this. And I remember, you know, they had like back then, you know, they had special tires and different compounds. And I remember like going over to their pit. And at this point, Brian kind of had, he knew me a little bit. So I'd go over and he was like, I would talk to him about my cars and how I was set up. And he, you know, he'd be like, he'd get real close. Like, check out my tires. I'd check out his tires and I'd be like, hmm. Okay. That's Where the why. hell did you get those? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I was like, all right. Well, I never. Because those guys cut them up asked. and did whatever they wanted to them, right? Well, 
Well, no, what he did is he actually had a new compound at the race. Oh, okay. Him and Mark, and uh, they were just killing everybody. Mm. And the Losi guys were there too. They were running well, and they had new tires. I don't know about compound, but I remember um, Gil Losi Jr., or it was John Anderson, one of the two. I remember him. Uh, you know, remember when people used to turn people's cars on back in the day and like you would set them out on the track and like they wouldn't move at all. Yeah. And then they would just take <laughs> off for the start of the qualifier. Well, I remember, I want to say it was John Anderson doing it, but they had tires on somebody's car. I don't know if they were Gil Jr.'s or Jack Johnson or one of those fast guy losey guys and he would just wrap his hands around the whole rear tire and he held the car by the rear tires with his hands wrapped around them completely and he would wait till the car number was called and then he would like toss the car down so you couldn't you couldn't see these tires so then it was like the part that was t- funny about it is it made you more curious like you know, today, in today's day, we'll run a new tire, and sometimes you don't make a big deal about it because it always used to be a huge deal to have a new tire. Yeah. Um, now, since they're a little more common, people are a little more carefree about it, but um, but back then it was a huge deal. I think especially the Losi guys making a big deal about it. And uh, I remember they had these just micro, micro pin tires, and they were hard back then, so those things had to be they had to be killing the pins off of those things in one run. But yeah, Kenwald dominated that race. I remember being in uh, uh, I kind of remember how the track went. There was like a 180 or something at the end. Of, it was really a I remember having a hard time with the track, but um, yeah, watching Kenwald it was impressive. And I remember being in one of Mark's qualifiers and. He like caught up to me real easy and I was like trying to get to the point where I was going to pull out of his way. And I remember like something happened um, so that when he was trying to pass me, like he didn't quite get by me. I don't know if he hit the pipe or I did something um, not intentionally, but and I remember then he catches back up to me again and then he's like, Hey, can I get around you, buddy? <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> but yeah, I think Kenwell ended up winning both classes there. He won truck and uh, two wheel. I'm sure if he ran four wheel, he probably won that too. But I don't know if he ran it or not. And then uh, the next year, I remember going to the '93 nationals was uh well he came to winter champs first and by then i was pretty fast i remember i out qualified him in truck there because I, I think i qualified second that was my um, and i got fifth in the main and i think he might have beat me in the main but i think i out qualified him and if i remember right and then uh two-wheel drive i don't remember if he made the main or not we might have he might have been in the same main, I don't remember. Uh, and then he moved on to the Nationals that year at Norms in Texas, and then he that's where he won two-wheel drive, and that's where the run kind of started. Mm. He was just, after that, 
he became like, you know, then he won the Worlds in 93 and won the Trek Nationals in 93. And then he was just off to the races. It was like, then he just winning everything. And this is with Associated still. And yeah. And, and that big, the big switch happened, um, was it 90? So we're, we're still in what, 93, 94 timeline here? Yeah, 93. Uh, that's when he kind of was, he just had his huge year in 93 winning um, the Roar Nationals, the Worlds. He might have won the Norcanats that year, and then he won the Roar Truck Nationals. So he, he had probably one of the rare people that at one time had uh, had all those titles at one time. Wow. So, and then um, came the end of the year. And I remember just getting to, I remember getting out to California early for the Reedy race. So, so it was a nine. So towards the end of 93. Yeah. So I got to the 94 Reedy race in January and I remember getting there and Kenwald has all Lipsy stuff. You know, like a Trinity shirt on. I'm just like, Oh my. And at this point I was pretty close with him. I don't remember if I talked to him on the phone much. But every maybe every once in a while, or he just knew me from the races. But I remember being, you know, he was, I was nice, and I talked to him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just, but I'm showing up there, and you know, I kind of thought like it would have been something he would have told me about. Um, but I don't think he told anybody. I think he just showed up the next day in California with all Losi stuff. I mean, Associate didn't even know. And I don't, I don't think like, you know, of course no internet back then or anything. So I don't think I found out until car action came out. What? Three months later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interestingly enough, he didn't win that Reedy race. Uh, Jeremy Quartz won, hmm. but I think that Kinwall did get second. Uh, but that, I believe there he ran his paint job, the blue, white, and black with the drips. He, but he, but he didn't have the yellow in the paint job. I think it was like uh, not long after that when he went to the yellow in the paint job, and that's really when he became the Losi Trinity Kinwall. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know he went to that paint scheme, and I think in all re- reality, I, I have a lot of memories of him being an associated driver and, and doing well with the equipment. But he really was a low C driver um, because he was the one that won their first world title. Um, you know, such a big part of Trinity's off road. He was kind of the new Joel Johnson yep. uh, of the off road world, and. Uh, you know, winning with new Losi cars and kind of dragging a whole team uh, along with them, people wanting to join. And it was just a, an interesting time period and something he was really instrumental with, um, you know, being uh, Losi's main guy and really somebody they went out to get to, to win a world in these other races. And, and, and he did it. So it it was it was brutal back then. I mean, him and Pavitas were big friends when they started, but they were really rivals more than they were friends um, hmm. 
for the majority of the time. And, you know, Mark has good things to say about him, but it's like in, in all reality, when you talk to him, he, he's like, yeah, Kenwell took me out at that race or I took him out. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how, and that's how it was. I mean, yeah. it was like, it was cutthroat. And, and when Kenwald made that switch and I mean, it was, wow. the gloves were off. I mean, it was, the races were, you know, it was, it was a battle out there. Absolutely. Uh, and you had to decide what side of the fence you were on. And, and, uh, but that was part of what made it fun. I think, um, it would definitely, there was a lot of the, the cars coming out at the time, you know, Losi picked a great time to, um, come out with that double X buggy, which I think really changed off-road racing a lot because associate was still relying on the RC 10 and Kenwell had won the world with it, but it was the old car, you know, mm-hmm. it was, a people kind of had lost their excitement for the RC 10 in a way because it was, they made so few changes back then. Um, and the changes that were being made were really more from the drivers just wanting to equip it, you know, their own way. You know, that's what Kim Wall was known for because his RC 10 was very unique yeah. and, he was known for that kind of stuff. And that's how you, I think that's kind of how the customization started of the off-road cars was because the RC 10 was so old, you would want to kind of put a fresh face on it all the time. So you change the colors or you'd mill something or you'd change, you know, that that's what he was the master at. And when he won that world, that car was like iconic looking. Um, there was a couple things that were kind of ugly about it, but, for for him you know it was a really cool a real cool look and that's what he i think that's when he kind of got into the being an individual with the vehicle was all right i want to mill this and change that because he he would at that time when he was running the associate car he was going to work there like half a day so curtis husting and these guys taught him how to do some things on them on the uh, lathe and do a little bit of stuff with the mill because at the time, like Cliff and these guys were the only ones with the mill chassis. Mm. So Kenwall was young and he got those guys to teach him how to do it. And he would get in there and he would mill it and machine it um, how he wanted. And he got good at it. And then, you know, his RC 10 world's car, as they released it um, was, they tried to replicate in a way what his car looked like at that race. So, of course, you can't completely replicate a Kenwell car for production, but that's what they were trying to do, and they sold it like that. And uh, and then he, and then it was a blink of an eye, and he was gone, and they were he was on Losi, and they had the double X, which was an all molded, computer designed car, and that was that was the start of the war. I remember there was a picture. Uh, because the, the, the deal was is back then the drivers I don't know what Joel Johnson's deal was or like Masami, but I know the rest of the drivers weren't getting paid at the time to be pro racers. So when Kenwald won the worlds, he was just working at Associated part time. He wasn't actually a 
pro quote unquote pro racer. Yeah. Um, either was Mark or any of these guys, you know, Mark worked there and, and I think it was easy to lure Kinwall the way because Trinity and Losi came up with a, a deal for him that was so much more attractive than what he had with Associated. Right. Never and, didn't have to go to work to the factory. Yeah. Just concentrate like, hey, on driving. Just do this every just do this every day. Yeah. And that's what he did. And it worked out for him. It was exactly what he wanted. Um and then it also forced Associated to sort of start, you know, contracting their drivers because the fact that Kinwall could leave like that at any moment because there was no there wasn't an official contract with Brian, but I believe I have a DVD at home where Gene actually explains some things about it. But there's something that because Associate got sued by Trinity over this. Um, and because Associate was selling a world's car because Kinwell won the world's and they really had a motor that was called like, I don't know, like the BK edition or something like that. And it had a Kinwall drip paint job on this Reedy motor, and it was because he won the Worlds. Well, when he switched to Trinity and Losi, you know, Ernie's like, nope, no one else can use this name. That's ours now. Uh, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And they ended up in court over the whole thing. And um, I, um, I don't know how long it went. But uh, ultimately, I think it got settled. But, you know, so you add all that into the fact, um, you know, that even bumped up the rivalry that much more, right? Uh, So, you know, that was with Kinnemald in the middle. And I I think, uh, I forget how it all settled. Um, I think Associate did discontinue the motor, and but there was something that gave them the ability to still sell the car. I can't remember all the specifics, but uh, they they did have something, and I think this was on the, the DVD I had too. And Gene still had the document of that Kinwald signed in relative to him winning the worlds. Mm you know, all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, he was a hot deal, man. He was the, he was a, a superstar and, you know, known for building these custom things and didn't really get in, you know, he was, he was doing the tire stuff, but he was maybe a little more known for the, um, the, the cars being super unique. But one thing I remember him doing I don't remember if he started it or not, but he always used to cut pins and cut ribs and on tires. But there was a while we used to run low C four rib front tires was like the front tire to use, even when he ran associated and he'd cut the outside rib off. Well, there's two ribs in the middle and you cut the one on the outside off. And that was like the big tuning thing back then. You're like, Oh, you get more steering. You cut that rib off. So that was, but I, I think I don't know if Kenwall started that f- for sure, but I know he was intram- instrumental. Yeah, I remember reading about that in the magazines, and I'd be like, "Man, what are these guys doing?" Like, 
you know, I, I, I'm just buying these tires and putting them on my car. And, and then you're like, wow, these pros are cutting them up and doing different things with them, reversing the tread pattern or whatever, you know? And I'm, I, I was always thinking like, how the hell do these guys know to do this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, like, but yeah, it was always, I remember after hanging around Kenwell for a while and, mm-hmm. and then, um, uh, I remember that and, and, and me wanting to do my own experimenting. I remember taking a front tire and cutting all the ribs off of it. And then I would take them and I'd glue them back on the front tire carcass at a different angle. Oh, okay. And I remember doing that, um, uh, to run, to try it at the club track in Orlando. And I remember gluing my foams. I, before you could get harder foam inserts, I remember I took them and I would put glue in them. So I'd like try to make them harder. Wow. But it was just stuff, you know, you think about a lot of these things and um, you had the time and the passion and you just tried it. But a lot of it was because, you know, you'd hear, uh, you just, you're just thinking, I got to be like Kenwell. I got to take this to the next level, you know. If I'm not trying these things, then somebody else is. Yeah, one thing that's never going to change in, in racing is, um, you know, the way to turn quicker laps is you got to have more steering. And ways to get steering you're always in search for, whether it's in the car setup, the handling, the tires, the amount that they're worn, the tread pattern, the height, you know, all these wow. things. <clears throat> is it was the it was back then and still today ways that you can get faster yeah so you guys are out there cutting them up and stuff yeah i mean those things i mean you know today spencer will he'll take our dirt web two-wheel fronts he'll cut a little couple pins out of there and say hey these are better you know these are faster (laughs) on certain conditions and uh and then will, will you come out with something that's like that then I mean, we've done it before. I mean, we worked with Kenwall when we did the Dirt Webs tire, mm-hmm. um, kind of that way. But yeah, the tire that Spencer clips the pins, he only does that on some tracks. But but those are other. The reason he does that is because you know he's trying to you know he has uh, he's close with Kenwall, and those were things that Brian would do and has told him that you got to consider you want to get faster or try to win races you got to uh, those are some of the things you got to think about yeah so you know then you know when he went on his low C run uh, he was the guy you know I mean he was everywhere he had his own um, his own products through Trinity he had uh, you know he started once he won uh, I think the world after he won the world is when Losi did the Kenwald edition double x which is probably the most i I would think the most sought after lossy uh vehicle um that you could get i think that's i that's probably one that i would want uh, is the uh the double x kinwald edition i think that would be the one that i would want i kept checking my local hobby shop for that to come in i, I was like as soon as it got in the shelf boom that was mine <laughs> could not wait for the kenwald edition i thought surely if i buy this i'll win but yeah that was um i remember 
um, RC Pro Hobby. They kept trying to get that car kit for me, and uh, he had trouble getting it and finally got him in. Yeah, it was a different time period when it comes to that because that's how you would order your vehicles is you'd go into the hobby shop. That's how I ordered my RC10T. Yep. I went into the hobby shop. I gave him 10% down. Yeah, and, and then, um, uh, they ordered it for you, and when it came in, you were in line. And Now people don't I, – I, no, I do see some people do it, still do it with their local hobby shop, but maybe not like those days because you're always trying to find that – know that way you can get it a little quicker yeah but that was a big thing back then is uh getting that car on order or that truck and that moment that it came in oh man i wonder when it came in did they call you yeah oh yeah i I went I, i went to my hobby shop all like almost every day so it was like i they didn't have to tell me like i was just there if it came in (laughs) <laughs> but um, yeah I got the message that I think Norm called my house and told my mom that my car kit was in um, I know I was I was working at this the time this was the Kenwall edition too right yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, she called me at work and man I could not wait to get out of work to go down and pick it up so excited it's like Christmas times 10 <laughs> loved it I think I had Kinwall. Yeah. I, I can't remember what the box art looked like, but I think Kinwall was in the upper right-hand corner. Then he just saw the car on there and all his stuff on it, and I was like, damn, this is awesome. Yeah. Now I wish I would have kept that car kit sealed. Should have bought two of them. Yeah, you just never know what's going <laughs> to be a classic, right? Yeah, you keep that thing sealed, and, man, I don't know what they go for on eBay, but wow. An original double X would be a nice one, too. Yeah. They all would be like Original. if if you're buying a car kit, just <laughs> just buy two and and keep one sealed. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I guess that's what you should do today too. Still, here's the like yeah, that like the that picture. Ryan Mayfield uh, Yokomo kit. I would have I would bought one, kept one sealed. <laughs> you know what's funny is I actually don't have that. You don't. You don't I have, didn't think that'd be something I'd have. But you have, have one it. at the factory there, don't you? No, I don't have one. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Ryan has uh, he has one of however many. So like on the <laughs> chassis, they are, you know, it kind of has his signature on the chassis. And yeah. It's all etched on there. And one of 500 or however many there was. He's got 499 of 500. They didn't give him the first he's, one. <laughs> now he's got one. Yeah. I asked him when it came in. I'm like, do you have two or do you just have one? He's like, no, I only have, I just have one of one. Hmm. He's not a big collector though. No? No. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he like gave the car to his dad and his dad like built it. (laughs) Wow. Like, you know, he's just not like, he's not a huge collector. He's just like, Hey, it is what it is. It's a RC car. I'm just going to build it and run it. Mm-hmm. He may have it. The world is pretty special, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's some people are like big. They're bigger collectors than they are racers yeah. or competitors. I would say he's more into the competing, the racing, than he is the collecting. 
Yeah, well, looking back on my racing, I should have did the collecting. <laughs> that would have been a You're good like, idea. I should have been more into that side of things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, then they... Um, yeah, that was a pretty awesome time period to be around there. Yeah, it's hard to describe it, but, you know, you know, for these young listeners, but man, you're, you know, it was, it was just unreal. Especially that switch from associated Losi. And I, I yeah, just remember was, seeing it in car action and I could not believe it. Yeah. You, you didn't, you couldn't, it's yeah. hard to comprehend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, you know, we, we talked about, you know, he won the, well, so let's see, he won the 92 Roar Nationals. He won the 93 Roar Nationals. He won the 94 Roar Nationals. He won the 95 Roar Nationals. And then Chris Bing won the one in 96. 96. And then, but the first time I got there, to he, he debuted that, uh, the double X four. Right. So, you know, I, I kind of wrote this, uh, retrospective on Kenwall, um, right after the passing, but I did one of the things I wrote about how he was so good on delivering on, um, when somebody made a new, when he made it, when, uh, one of the companies he raced for had something new, he was, always good about delivering with it. So if they came out and it was new, um, and he, and he w- would win with it. You know, he would mm-hmm. win in, in the debut. So that was always a big thing because you could depend on uh, making something, giving it to him, and him handling business and kind of getting the ball rolling. Now, before the 96 Nat, or when you arrived at the 96 Nats, I mean, did you guys know about the double X4 prior, prior to the 96 Nats? Or? Uh, uh, I don't think at all. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think we knew at all. Just when you showed up we, there. Yeah you, yeah. you show up and I think there's kind of a, you know, with a, a racer's mentality is if you're, especially if you're in a competition with somebody um, at that time, it was like, Oh, they got a four wheel, huh? Well, we'll see how it does. You know, it wasn't like, I wasn't like excited for them because we yeah. were competitors. So it was like, we were just like, you know, Oh, we'll laugh. That thing's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like that's how it was. Like you, you sit there and watch and you're like, you know, you, you, you try to critique how it's working and you know, if you are willing to, uh, give it, uh, give it some respect. And I think it was, um, yeah, I remember just watching and, you know, you're, you're also paying attention to what you're doing. So, you, you know, something is going on. You know that they have a new car. You know that person is excited that likes Losi or, you know, they wanted the double X4 to do, to do well. Yeah. Um, but in those days, you just didn't go over there and look either. You know, no. n- nowadays, um, you would watch on the track, you know, and if you would catch something, but. Uh, nowadays, you know, if Mayfield wants to see something, he'll just go look at it. Because you know? <laughs> um, everyone's. You mean if a competitor is with a different car, he can just go over and look at it? Well, he'll just so, like sometimes, you know, if he's curious, he'll just say, I know this guy. I'm just going to go over there. I don't care. And they just show it to him. <laughs> like, you know. 
sometimes, yeah. Because I remember the Double X4, like, you know, they were keeping that. I mean, that was under wraps. I mean, you mm-hmm. couldn't you couldn't get near it. You couldn't see it. I remember Lucy yeah. Jr. was taking it off, and that was it. You didn't see it. Mm-hmm. They were making sure car action or whoever that wasn't getting photos. Yeah, that's true. And and you know how hard it would be to be today uh, to try to pull something like that off with the phone, you know, on your uh, you know the camera on your phone and all that type of thing. But I remember arriving to the Nats and you know, right away hearing from somebody that Losi has a new four wheel drive. You're like, what? Kim Wald's running it. (laughs) And every, you know, I said this on the, I did a short podcast last week and you know, when he went out to the track with it, you couldn't find a freaking spot. You know, you had to get there right away to watch him run because it was, if you wanted to be in the front row, because I mean, it was just people just lining that track all the way around to see him run that car. Yeah. It was insane. The magnesium exactly chassis. How. Remember mm-hmm. that? It was all the Yeah, that's what you you'd hear. You'd hear those buzzwords. You yeah. Know. It's got a magnesium, magnesium chassis, man. People are like, What? If it sparks, I'll catch on fire, won't it? That and magnesium does burn while you're machining it, so you have to be careful what speed I think you you machine it at. But <laughs> right. But I think that is true and that, you know, people talk about that, but that adds to the buzz, right? Yeah. God, not not only is this car using magnesium, it's dangerous besides that. Yeah. And then there was like, this car is dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) What a car. Yeah. If he bottoms out, that thing's going to catch on fire. Yeah. Well, spark (laughs) comes off that chassis. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that it always adds to the mystique. And then we didn't know at the time if the production car was going to have a magnesium chassis or not. You know, everybody's talking like, oh, is it going to be a magnesium chassis? You know, but that was just mm-hmm. for prototype, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, that was a real complicated car for them to make back then. Um, you know, back when all the molds were made in the U.S., and they'd have to put that car together here in the U S and that was a very expensive project, uh, for them to do. And a real complicated car. I, I still think the car was too complicated. Hmm. Uh, in my opinion with the three belts and where they wanted to put the motor. And I, I still think to this day it was overcomplicated, but people did love that car back then. And they did kind of own that class um, for many years be, because of, uh, they had probably the, the most well-known built car at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and there was no associated car, which, you know, all this kind of leads us to when we made our car, but, um, you know, we made the BJ four, but at that time there was no competition for it other than Yokomo and, and their cars at the time were, kind of crap to be honest and and hard they to get just, parts for <laughs> yeah i mean that was kind of everybody's throwback word was because you know uh, they didn't really have a yeah a solid parts support in the u.s and it wasn't like you'd walk in the hobby shop and they had all this stuff but it's a little different today because back then you you wanted to go to the hobby shop and get the parts or you wanted to have them at the track you know, today you don't mind ordering online a few days before you're going to do it or use it. Um, 
people planned for that. Back then it was, you planned for getting it where you raced it. Um, so that's just kind of the different times in addition to all that. But yeah, that, yeah, the Yokomo cars, they went really, my favorite car was the 95 car that we ran at the Japan world in 95. That was the best car they made like all the way up till, They've had a lot of cars, too. I mean, they made some crap for like 10 years. <laughs> Just stuff that wasn't very good. And then, but that recent, the recent car they have now is really a really nice car. I mean, it's one of the better ones. Um, but yeah, it took them a while to, well, it took them till Mayfield got there and told them they needed to make a new car. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He ran that car that one race at the Reedy race. Um, and he's like, yeah, I don't like this car. You get to make a new one. And they did. Wow. Then he won the Worlds. <laughs> Guess it worked. It did. It worked. So the Double X4 was Losi's first venture in four-wheel drive? Yep, that was. Uh, and Gil Jr. loved uh, four-wheel drive. So I think it was, it was kind of natural for him to want to make it because he had a, you know, he had a real liking for that class because he won a worlds in four wheel drive. I run, you know, the forever, oh. the first ever worlds, uh-huh. he won that. So I think he always wanted to make it four wheel because of that. And uh, yeah, so he, he debuted that thing. And I mean, he debuted so many trucks for them over the years to do. I mean, just the other day I saw a video um, on uh, Facebook. Somebody had posted of, uh, they're like, yeah, this is Kenwald with an LXT uh, driving around uh, the old SoCal track with other trucks. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, I go, it almost looks like to me, like he was driving a double, uh, double XT and the other guys are running LXTs. Like he was testing a double XT at the time and other guys were running, uh, you know, the older truck. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So 96, I can't remember when the double X four came out. I guess it would probably be almost a year later. 97, I think. Yeah, like mid-97, almost a year. And then... Yeah. So Associated still ran the Yokomos all the way... Yeah, you All guys, the way till our part. Right, I was going to say, right, right up into you. A little so. bit of Schumacher got in there, a little bit of Durango. Um, but yeah, for the most part, there was that connection there with Yokomo for quite a while. Yeah, you get through the, the double X four, then you got into the triple X stuff, which was late nineties, and Kenwald also debuted that car and he won with it. <laughs> uh the triple X, which I always hated the way that car looked. Yeah. Uh, to me I thought the double X double X cars were better looking. But I think that was you know, their way to kind of um you know, get I don't know what the right word is, but get back into designing a whole new car again. I think they felt like they pulled the rabbit out of the hat with the double X and they were going to do it again. Um, when was triple X? Triple, 
99, I think. 99, so. Which is also kind of the, the time period where, where uh, Kinwall was working on that uh, BK bar tire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, during that time, it's like he, he debuted the the triple X for, for team Losi. And then he also helped, you know, obviously created that BK bar tire, which it, the BK bar was different when he first created it than how they actually made the real tire. Um, Cause he, what he did is he took taper pins and turned them inside out Jeez. and, and he put the, the taper pin uh, tread in the center and he had the beak and he had the inside of the tire the webbing is the outside so there was more the tire would looked more like a taper pin with big bars on the outside but then when they made the car or made the tire for production um i think it was junior telling me that they kept changing the way he was cutting them and making them and ultimately they came up with what they made which was a much simpler looking tire um, than the first one that he uh, had made at the the worlds in finland is when he had made that but um yeah it was interesting they had a you know he was just so so hell-bent on doing it a different way whether his cars had to look different or he had to have a different tire or um I mean, I definitely learned a lot from him in those early days and um, translated it to things that I wanted to do and how I was racing. And I remember one of the biggest uh, high fives I got from him was we were running the winter champs. Uh, I think it was the 90, either 95 or 96 winter champs. And I was running for associate. He was running low C and we were still obviously friendly and um, he had just set TQ, and I was coming up in a couple heats, and the track was getting really, you know, it was getting really fast. And back then, you know, there's only one round of qualifying you could, um, you know, do it in, and if you laid down a hot run, you could TQ. So I put slicks on the front of my car, and. And I ran, you know, traditional treaded rear tires, but I wanted to have slicks on the front because I felt like I was going to have the steering edge on the good track. I was going to put in a run that nobody could beat, even Kenwall. And I remember um, being on a really good qualifier and beating his time because they would announce, you know, what pace you were on. And I was going faster than his time, and I came through a section and. I tapped a pipe and it popped off a ball cup. So instead of qualifying in the top three or at least TQing right there, I think I ended because I broke in the fastest qualifier. I ended up being in like the D or the E main. But I remember coming down the driver's stand. And I remember Kinwald standing there because he was watching and he's like, he gave me a high five and he goes, he's like, dude, you had the balls to run slicks. He goes, and he was just like so happy that somebody else would do it besides him. He's like, that's something I would do. He's like, he goes, I don't care if you to beat my TQ. I was just so impressed you ran slicks because that's something I would do. 
And uh, it was just cool because he, he was more excited that I ran slicks and tried to like basically beat him at his own game. He was like, he was pretty pumped. Wow. So, but yeah, it was cool. Well, we failed to mention that in 96, you had a chance to bury that double X four. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, I won the first main. Yeah. Yeah. One, um, I was running a Yokomo. It was my good, my favorite Yokomo, the good car. And I mean, we never practiced with the things. So, it was like you'd go there to run two wheel and truck, but you also ran like Reedy would always sign you up for four wheel if it was like a world's qualifying year or something. Mm-hmm. So he would always sign you up for two wheel and four wheel because those are the classes you would qualify for the worlds. And then truck was you know the bonus class. Well, we always treated it like four wheel was the bonus class because that that was the car you didn't really care that much about. So I forget what I qualified and whatever I made the main and then. The first main, I found myself in the lead, and I ended up winning the first main over, you know, Ken Wald and Hodap and John Anderson with the prototype double X's, and uh, yeah, I didn't end up winning the overall. Ken Wald came back. I think he won a two and a three, but I I think I got another really good finish in those mains, and I got second overall. Wow! But I remember thinking that. Um, yeah, I could have buried that car before it even started. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy to think about because, that. Because you know, because you know, they're thinking they're yeah. like, oh, you know, um, Mark Pavitas isn't running this class or any of the other guys, so mm-hmm. we should be able to go in there and destroy these guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's what I would think. Yeah, they didn't factor in Jason Rona. Yep, this guy from Florida with his Yokomo, he didn't care about wins a one then they're like oh <laughs> this guy's for real yeah i wonder what <laughs> what was it like after a one i wonder if there's they were like panicking a little bit sure they I were doubt it. sure they were i'm sure they were like okay well we're gonna have to like um make sure we're gonna win this thing At, in those days um i i really hated him for it but yeah, didn't um, you say you wanted to throw him off the driver's stand? No, 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 not Ken Wall. Oh, okay. <laughs> I really hated um, Greg Hodap for it at the time, but he would really bow down to Ken Wald in the races. Um, if if Ken Wald was uh, in position at all to win, he would help him win. Yeah, and that's kind of when. They they got into that gold dust twin, right? Yeah, you remember the gold dust twin? Sure do. And that was when they had a little they had a run there where those guys were so good together because uh, they were running together. And uh, Greg got almost as fast as Brian, if not faster, for a brief period of time. Um, but he didn't mind uh, if Kinwald had won the first main. He didn't mind um, kind of helping him out in the second main to kind of sew it up. And there's a little bit of team driving then. Uh, definitely a lot more than there is now uh, between those guys. And I remember, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Greg was, you know, you know, they talked, the Losey guys talked and they're just like, look, there's three of us in this race. 
there's only one other guy that can win this thing. We're winning this race. You know, yeah. I mean, like it was like um, I don't remember ever getting hit though. I don't remember that ever happening. But yeah. I mean, it wasn't uncommon in those days for those guys to just kind of get together and be like, "All right, we're going one and two. Yeah, yeah. You block. <laughs> um, and they did. There were some races I know for sure that affected me, but. I really hated it at the time, but um, you really got to hand it to somebody that's willing to take one for the team or be um, so committed to getting the win that they sacrificed their own results in a sense. So that's a big thing. Mm. But yeah, I don't remember getting hit or anything in that race, but um, yeah, I remember getting second. And there, I remember Gene Husting sent me the photo afterwards from the awards and i remember um it just looked kind of funny <laughs> Looked kind of funny well it was just it was just funny because it was like um you know here's this guy that you know almost ruined it yeah did you look all pissed probably no mm. i don't you know that was probably as good as i was gonna do yeah. I mean, if you're racing Kinwald in those days and you were close, um, <clears throat> you felt pretty good about it. Um, but, like, yeah, there's other times you're pissed about other things, but yeah. Wow. Hmm. So, anyway, yeah. so we're in uh... that damn car. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, I There was a short period I raced for Losi for two years, and they gave me one of those things. And I just remember, like, I'm like, I don't like this car at all. I did not like that car. Did you it, burn it? No. <laughs> um, but I remember running it once at the Winter Champs, and it, you know, that's when I was running for Trinity too. And I had like, you know, a Dieter motor in that thing, and oh, got wow. fresh batteries from Dieter, and that thing was so fast. Yeah. And, but I, I just hated the way that that car was built with the belts and. And there was a bunch of gimmicky, like <laughs> a bunch of gimmicky Kinwald things he had did to the setup that everyone felt they needed to do. And I remember building the card, like gluing these aluminum out drives on it. And I just remember thinking, why are we doing this crap? Like, this is so much work. And it's like, does it actually work any better? Huh. I remember just wanting to run the steel out drives, steel uh, universals. And be like, I want to just make this thing simple. It's already a good car. But you know, Kenwall had like every trick in the book done to his car. Wow. He liked that car because he could screw around with it. Like there was so much he could do to the chassis and uh, modifications he could make. That's why he liked the car so much. <laughs> uh, it was good though. Well, it was a good. That uh, was a good time period in '97. Won that first Worlds uh, in Pomona with the double uh, X there. That's when they got, obviously gave him that his, I think, his own addition. Hmm. Then we got into 98, 99. He got debuted the triple X and then the triple X T, triple X T. Right. Then they did the triple X four wheel drive car, which was a, they did it kind of backwards. They made the, tri- uh, sorry, they made the triple X. Uh, they made the triple X on-road car, the touring car. Then they turned it into an off-road car because 
the first time they did the the opposite. They took the they took the double X four. They took the double X four off road car mm-hmm. and made it a touring car, and which was just an overcomplicated touring car. But Josh Cyril was kicking butt with it. Street weapon and on, on, car, on carpet. Yeah, the street weapon. So they took the off road car, made it a touring car. Then, then they turned that thing into like a rally car. Then they turned it into a heavy metal truck. Uh, they made a bunch of stuff out of that double X Ford. I don't remember Kenwell really jumping on board with all those uh, other cars so much, but then they made the triple X touring car and then they turned it into the four wheel. And I I always thought that car was garbage. Mm. Um, they won some, a lot of races with it because there was no competition. You know, they, um, but I believe there were some hard feelings at a couple worlds where Yuka Stanari, they had all talked and they said they were going to run the triple X car in South Africa. And then he kind of did a switcheroo on the rest of the team and ran the double X. So he ended up winning the worlds with the double X in South Africa when like Francis and the other guys were running the triple X. Oh man. So they were all, they were all so pissed at him because they had all like kind of said, all right, we're going to run the triple X that's the new car, you know, that's the one. And then you could kind of pull the, um, you know, pull the switch on all of them. And he was, you know, they were like, we're not even bringing our double X's to South Africa. We're running the triple X. And of course he brought his and then ran it and then won. And there were some pissed people about that. Wow. Jeez. But yeah, the triple X four wheel. I don't think him will ever like that car either. I think I think he won some races. I know he TQ'd the last uh, uh, the last time I remember Kenwald being Kenwald was the O three Worlds in Minreg, which was when we debuted and ran our prototype BJ four in our first body. O three. Yeah. Yep, okay. And he TQ'd <laughs> four wheel there with the triple X and then Cavalieri beat him in the main with the same car. But, uh, well, who was running your, but that car? was the last time. Well, just me. We oh. only had one. We built one car or actually two cars, one for me and one for Brad. Okay. And, uh, but that was, uh, the first time we drove it was the worlds. So, but yeah, I remember Ken Walty queuing that he got second two wheel. Uh, behind Billy Easton, he ran a good race, just couldn't quite win the triple mains. Um, and then in four wheel, he TQ'd, and it was like, okay, he's got this one, you know. And then Cavalieri got him on the last lap of the third main, and that was kind of wow. that was the last time he was ever in that kind of contention. Because then I believe he got sick. He was kind mm-hmm. of uh, in and out of RC, not RC in general, but just the big race scene, kind of in and out for a while. And then that's when some of the newer generation drivers started getting involved. And touring car was really big. And when he did get back, he was running a lot of touring car. And it really, he almost became so obsessed with touring car that he, 
that the off-road started, you know, he was allowing other people to get in the off-road and um, have some success. So that's really when things started splitting off. Like it was like 10 scale off-road was everything. Um, the on-road guys and the off-road guys didn't really cross over a lot. You know, there was the Joel Johnsons that would run occasionally in off-road, but for the most part, he was an on-road driver. Yeah. And, but then it got to where, you know, the, the touring car generation for some reason attracted off-road guys and on-road guys. So there was a lot of crossover between those classes. And, you know, then you had like the Kinwalls racing in it and Francis's and I raced it and Mark Pavitas and I mean, whoever you want to name, I mean, gave touring car a shot and everyone had a decent amount of success in their own right. You know, I know Francis won some races, Kinwall did okay. Not, I don't think quite as well as he wanted to. Kinwall didn't have quite the level of success in touring car that, that you would have thought that he would have had. Um, I almost want to say that Matt Francis had a little bit more for some reason. Um, and then Mark Pavitas, I think had more success than both of them. Uh, cause he won like the Reedy race and was like, got second at the worlds. And I mean, he was like a badass in touring car. Mm. So yeah, it was, that was an interesting time period. And then you had on the other side, the eight scale stuff was starting to grow or let's call it gas or nitro because there was gas truck 10 scale gas truck and then eight scale and i remember then losi started bringing kenwald to run you know 10 scale gas truck um there was the couple nationals where he raced eight scale so now you're talking about these guys went from practically racing two-wheel drive and truck that was the, the main thing then losi entered the uh, the, the four-wheel buggy into the works. So then you had three classes. Then everyone started making a gas truck. So then you were into that. So now you went from you know so went from two. Now you've doubled your classes. Now you're at four. Then they did a touring car. Now you're at five. And then you would dabble in some eight scale with six. So. Um, you know, I want to say, you know, that's kind of when Mark Pavitas was at his, he had a lot of strength in racing touring car and eight scale. Was pretty good at gas truck, you know, he won in that too. But uh, that was an interesting time period because we really had a 10 scale off-road was doing okay. Gas truck was rocking. Uh, touring car was huge. And eight scale was just kind of getting going. So that was like a really big time period there. Late nineties, early two thousands where things were kind of transitioning. Um, and these guys went from racing two classes to five or six. Wow. And then it took a while for Kenwell never really became an eight scale racer. He he did win a Roar Nationals in it. Uh, I remember that. But for the most part, he wasn't really known as an eight-scale racer. And I don't think he – I mean, he liked it, I think. But it wasn't like – he didn't want to do it all the time. Because it was a ton of work, especially if you were going to do it like he was going to do it. 
And then when you're expected to race all the other classes too, So, and then that's kind of the, you know, in that area, he kind of, whatever happened, he got a little sick for a while. Um, and then he started, uh, when he came back into RC, he, from whatever had happened, when he was sick or whatever, the he had to move to Arizona. And then when he did that, he... Uh, he ran X Factory. I yeah. don't know if you remember. Uh, we had them on the show. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he really helped them. And it, this was kind of like a fun project for him, I think. When was this around now? This was... Probably like, uh, yeah, I don't know, oh, five, oh, six. Oh, okay. Somewhere around there. He started helping the X factory guys, um, you know, working on their, their two wheel buggy. Cause they were really the only ones that they kind of got on this tangent of, they wanted to do a mid motor car Yeah, and they, they did well with it. They kind of got the ball rolling. Uh, they were the ones that believed in the mid motor concept that was going to work. Um, then they, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, amazing. It wasn't an amazing thing for them, uh, in the U S right away, but where they did really well is they did really well with, uh, in the UK and because they ran on so much grass, grass conditions that, it, it just the car really stood out there, and that's where X Factory really kind of got rolling. Is when Kenwald got involved, he helped him tune the car, make it a little less ugly, uh, make it look a little more performance racy oriented. And then when the car started working in the UK, and then we added sugar to a couple tracks here in the U S and you had to have a mid motor car. That's what changed 10 scale buggy. So, I mean, you could say that Kenwell had a little bit of a hand in that mm. working with the X factory guys on that mid motor car. And that was probably perfect for him at the time. Um, I think people kind of look at him a little strange at times because they didn't know who these, who the X factory guys really were, yeah. but they had a ton of passion and, um, they're willing to go for it on some of their designs, which other people weren't. And Kenwald just had fun with it. And, uh, you know, they, they got the buggy going, they got a stadium truck going, they had a short course going and every step of the way, I think that the car got a little less production. It was a little more like, you know, at first they, they did everything to have, uh, plastic parts and molded parts and then they got into wanting you know they're like well we can do this with carbon and aluminum and that's kind of what it became i think that was a good thing for him and then uh danny stoyakovich who opened a track in california called west coast uh he decided he was going to have uh he wanted to have a motor line called icon 
and he had known Kenwall back in the 90s when they raced at M&M, and the guy he wanted to run the motors was Kenwald, and they worked out a deal to where Kenwald would um, switch back and race for Associated and run the Icon Motors. And that kind of got Kenwald back onto Associated, and he kind of he kind of had a new little uh, bump in his career in a way when that happened. He, he got some travel again. His health was pretty good at the time. Uh, we did a lot of races together. Uh, that's when he um, he started racing for us, and he was doing – that's when short course was big. And uh, he, he kind of, like, got a new career at that point. He was kind of back doing what he liked. He had the associated cars. He was um, – he was good at short course. He could modify it and play with it. And it was at the time, um, uh, you know, short courses were selling so well that uh, justified, you know, sending him around to different short course events. And he was doing well with it. And then they came out with a four by four short course, and he didn't mind racing that. So he he almost had a little bit of a career in short course. Uh, at that time, I mean, he'd race two wheel and truck too, but I think in general, uh, that was kind of like his specialty then was short course. And he did really well with it. Uh, he won a lot of races on that short course showdown series. He, he podium at the roar nationals a couple times, you know, even racing the Ryans, you know, the Ryans were racing it in Tebow. And I remember Kenwald uh, running them tough, uh, a couple times and that was kind of uh and he had a good run a good run there we did that as so we went to the worlds in finland uh, i remember that being a really good trip with brian probably one of my best well definitely my best trip i ever had with brian going to the worlds in finland uh, he pitted next to mayfield there i pitted behind both of them and we, we had a good race that week that whole time we were there Kenwall was there every day. He ran all his qualifiers. He was pretty competitive, although, you know, the magic wasn't there anymore for like an A main or a podium run, but he was running well. I think there's some videos on YouTube of him running a qualifier somebody had. And he's, he was doing well, but, you know, at that point, the, the Ryans and the Tebos and all those guys had taken over and they were the ones po- doing the podiums, but. You know, he was at that time. He was able to provide some good feedback on the on the cars. Uh, the Ryan's were taking some of his his input. They were using it to make them fa- you know them faster. And, and then, uh, so that went about as long as it could. And then you could kind of see Ryan's health was de- deteriorating a little bit, and it was hard for him to be at the track the entire day um, because of his sleep schedule. For whatever reason, he would stay up like really late. Um, And then it would be hard for him. You know, he would like pull all nighters and he would be just up too long. And he could make it like one or two days with no sleep. Wow. And he would, he would race, but then there'd be that third day he could never make. So it's like, he would stay up all night, wrenching, working on his stuff. Just, you know, never always had the passion. Yeah. Um, and, but then he just, once he went to sleep, he said that he, 
Like it didn't matter how many alarm clocks he would set, whatever happened, he, once he was out, he was out. And so, and then he would, you know, it was tough for him to get to the track that final, or, you know, usually the main day. Um, yeah, I think his racing on that level was kind of done at that point. And, um, then he went back and uh, TLR decided to try to put some of their history back together. And I think they had kind of realized that he was a big part of <laughs> a big or the biggest part of their racing history. Yeah. And they wanted to get him back um, being a TLR person. And uh, I think Associated was okay with it. And so he went back, did some TLR stuff again with them and, um, you know, kind of helped with the development a little bit of some, like the 4.0 buggy or, um, yeah, I think he was just kind of getting, um, into their four wheel drive stuff a little bit, uh, trying to help out and make one off things and just assisting where he could. Uh, but I think his racing was just not the same and it just wasn't as much fun and i think he was getting much sicker um so yeah that kind of wrapped up that that side of things but there's been some talk about wanting to do an event uh kinwald kind of an event like the Reedy race um which you know a lot of people are have expressed interest in um i know that um Kenwald's dad has brought it up. Uh, they didn't have a service or anything for Brian. I think they're kind of hoping that the family, uh, or, you know, they're kind of hoping that the race it becomes more like the service, right? Yeah, right. Yep. So uh, that's how I understood it. Uh, I don't that, know where that's, that's at. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where they're at with doing an event, but I, I know that has been brought up and, by many people, but I know the dad had specifically talked to associated about it and that's about as much as I know, but, um, you know, if they want me to get involved or us to help, I mean, I'm already told them that, so I don't want to stick my nose in there where it doesn't belong. If, but yeah, so I, I'm sure you'll see something. Happens. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what's funny is we've already had a Kinwald event. <laughs> We had one several years ago called the Dirt Invert. Right. And we did that in Arizona because we were we had this uh, the Dirt Racing Products product line, and we kind of thought it'd be cool to have an event uh, with Brian's name on it. And I made up a format because we were like, all right, we want to make it unique, you know, Reedy Race-esque. Uh, but what we did is our format was he did qualifying as usual, but the main events were if you TQ'd, the A main, the first main you started first, but however you finished in the first main, you inverted the grid for the second main and so on and so forth. So mm. if you won the first main, you started last in the second main. So it really came down to, and all mains counted. So there was, it wasn't best two or three, it was three or three. Um, so that was the format. And I, I kind of came up with that because I, I, remember when Kenwald won his first worlds was 
the 93 Worlds, he won from eighth position on the grid. So my idea was, hey, you're the guy that is famous for winning from the lowest spot on the grid that I think has ever, that anybody's ever won from. Uh, I think Cliff won from sixth or seventh. And um, I mean, I don't know of anybody that's win one from further back. But so Kinwall was eighth. He won 93. And I was like, you know, I kind of felt like that was a defining thing that he is the guy that no matter where he started, he could make himself a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what that race is all about is uh, him being a threat from anywhere on the grid. And that's how you have to win that race. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a great so, idea. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, we have, you know, kind of the, the, the parts are in place. You know, I think a lot of people ask about, you know, we named some products. We have a product line with Brian's name on it. It was something that I felt like when he was racing for us, it was a way to get some other items out there. And what we were doing was giving them a royalty on the products. Um, It's tough because it's not like, it's not like the Trinity days where, Um, you know, they had all these great aluminum parts for double X and all these other vehicles. And, um, we didn't have that deep of a line up for him because it costs a lot of money to do that. And, um, you know, it's not like he got, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars to throw at this product line. You just try to do it a little bit at a time. If you see something that you think is cool, we try to add it and make it part of the lineup. But um, so yeah, we, we have that today and, um, we had some, we've made some cool parts together for that line. Some of them are a little run of the mill. Some of them are kind of neat. Um, but some of the best things we probably worked on was the dirt webs tire. We named that after, um, you know, kind of that dirt idea. And that was something that we had a tire called the pressure point and he took that tire and cut it up and there's a center section of that tire that looks like a big it looks like an x and he basically took like three of those tires and connected the x's and then we repeated that pattern around and became the dirt web tire uh so it's been a successful tire i mean i think it's it's kind of like the other tire that was done or the bk bar where the first one is a little different than what you end up with because there's there's always a difference between what you can do by hand by cutting them and putting them together versus how it actually comes out when you have to actually align all these pins and um, put things spaced accordingly and um, when it starts to get really technical it has to it takes on a little different look but in general the tire was very similar to um, the original we changed some things a little bit some um, but then we made that and it's it's an iconic tire in rc i mean i think if you look down the 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 tires that we've had over the years 
in 10 scale racing. Um, the ones I think of is, you know, our guys always talk about, uh, I think they're called holiday buggy tires. That was in the old days. Then, um, I might be skipping a couple, but uh, that's just a name I remember. And you get into low C four rows and X patterns. Um, that was very big tires. Uh, for a while, you had to run one of those. Then there was Schumacher mini pins. That was an iconic tire. Then we got to, there was a Proline flat fuzzy. And that was a, a very iconic tire. And then Losi made an Ifmar pin. They were very similar. <clears throat> then, then you get into the whole shot, which is still a popular tire today. Um, then you get into our probably our first barcode, and then the dirt web. I think those are iconic tires. And then um, AKA has a, a eight scale tire called the impact. I think that was a big tire um, that they made during the height of eight scale buggy racing. So, I mean, those are the ones I think of off the top of my head and then the BK bar in between there. So yeah, I mean, he was definitely involved in several of those tires. I mean, there's so many, so many tires too that he cut up and made and nobody actually made those tires. Jeez. I mean, he was making, he was making truck BK bars way before they ever made a real truck BK bar. Um, he was making, I remember when he would take, they, we used to call them Kyosho fuzzies. Okay. Um, it was a cross pattern. Uh, it was like a slotted pin that was in a, uh, um, they flip flopped directions and he really liked that tire and it looked cool and it was a good working tire and that became the hot tire for a while. And he used to take those and cut them up and make fronts out of them. So you would run those on the rear and he would make fronts and, he, he was really good at always making front tires from rears. That, he was also good at that. So it's like when he made a rear tire that he liked, then he would try to match the front. So, um, and then once he did that, then he would get into the truck. He was like, okay, now I got to make them for truck. So that was, I remember those Kyosho fuzzies. I don't remember what the actual name of those things were, but that's what we called them. He used to make front tires all the time, just varied in width too. He liked to change the width all the time. I remember him making front tires that nobody could drive but him. I remember being at the Winter Champs one year when at that time I was running Losi and Gil Losi Jr. was Kenwald and I are both on the track driving. And Junior's like, "All right, you guys, both pull in. We'll switch fronts." They put his fronts on my car and vice versa. I couldn't even go. I'm like <laughs> doing donuts. <laughs> and I'm like, how are you driving this thing? He's like, well, I just don't turn the wheel that much. I'm like, how are you going to race somebody and not turn the wheel much? <laughs> but he did it. Wow. I'm like, I'll, I'm like, I'm like, I'll stick with my fronts. 
Yeah. But that's how he wanted to do it. And he got into it. Like it became like a personal challenge to just drive things that nobody else would drive. Um, and, and, and I was just, I mean, every time that he would give his car to Mayfield, I would always ask him, like, hey, did you ever try any of the stuff that Kenwald does? And he's like, yeah, I drive his car. He goes, I think it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't know how he drives it. He's like, I can't even breathe on the wheel. The thing spins out. I'm like, that's what I did. <laughs> but, crazy. but that was how we wanted to drive. At that point, I think he started to realize that he needed to drive a car that was extremely aggressive to turn lap times that were maybe faster than he was capable of naturally. Right. So he was trying to essentially make up for some lost time, <laughs> mm. but yeah, I mean, he, he was doing it his way and man, he made some crazy short courses from associated. I remember he made the first mid motor short course for associated um, he would take, you know, he would save uh, carbon fiber dust when he would make uh, carbon fiber parts. He would save the dust, and then he would, if he wanted to put two pieces of plastic together, he would mix super glue with carbon dust, and then he would bond the plastics together using his super glue carbon. So, like, if you ever saw a weird, um, uh, part on his car that had this like it was like glue carbon fiber dust mm -hmm. I mean, it was it wasn't the most durable thing but it kind of got it kind of got the uh it kind of got the point across and he, that's how he made a short course he would take like he would take buggy arms and he would take like he would take two buggy arms and he would cut one and then he would take another buggy arm and cut that one. And then he would join them together with his carbon dust, carbon glue dust. And he would make a longer arm for a short course out of two buggy arms. And when it was done, it looked good. <laughs> like <laughs> You're looking at it and I tried to go back I could go back quite far enough in my text to see some of his trucks, although I had some of the photos. If you could have taught him how to make his own molds and had a molding machine, he would be making he'd be making molded parts in his garage. Yeah. Hmm. Just and he'd just he'd try it. Like, oh. Some of his later pro later projects, just a lot of machining. You know, people would give him aluminum parts, and he would add all these finishing touches to them. And um, we, we, we uh, I sent him a bunch of parts. He built that V6 for us. You know, I sent him all these parts. I just said, look, this is everything that I have that's kind of special or unique that we might not use. Uh, I might just put them all together and build one car. Yeah. So that's what he did. And, <clears throat> things cool so everywhere you look there's something kind of unique about it so this is from uh bbq unlimited uh he writes uh brian kinwald had a big impact on my way of thinking around rc he did the little extra no one thought about doing and he made the cars look so special 
just like when you see a factory dirt bike all tricked out. He would be missed but never forgotten. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a, a big part of the big part of that. Um, he wanted it to be unique, to look different yep. than everybody else's. Yep. Uh, so I asked you guys to call in, and we got a few calls. Um, some of your, uh, you know, we asked you to call in about a story about Kenwald or send your condolences. So we got uh, we got a few calls here that we're going to play. And uh, the first one is from our good friend, Mike Garrison. Radio Impound Podcast. Hey, it's Mike Garrison. Hey, I saw your post about um, Kenwald, and I wanted to share a story that um, I posted on Facebook and I posted on Instagram, but I wanted to tell it again because it's one of my favorite stories of all time. So we're at a short course showdown to a race, one of Scotty Ernst's race, and I went to a lot of them. Brian went to a lot of them, and we kind of became friends through that and pitting together and things like that. Anyway, so there was this race, and we had this epic battle in full drive short course in a heat race, and it was all heads-up racing for the short course showdown. So epic battle, full drive short course, and I'm keeping up with the guy somewhat, and I am stoked. I mean, I am stoked. So he ends up winning. I think I ended up second. We come off the track, and he can tell I'm pumped, and he tells me, great run, I'm driving so good, da 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 well, little did I know, before the race, he broke his four-wheel drive, and he grabbed his two-wheel drive, which he had just ran, so it's a half-dead battery on his two-wheel drive, and he waxed me and the rest of the field in mod four-wheel drive short course with overpowered motors with a half-dead two-wheel drive truck. But Brian, being the guy that he was, he was pumped for me. He could see I was pumped, so he encouraged me, you know, was like, <laughs> man, you're driving good, da 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 Never mentioned a word, but I only caught it because we're walking back to the pits and his front wheels are spinning. And I went, wait a minute, they're just freewheeling. So that's how I figured it out. But he never mentioned a word to me. So, yeah, Kinwald, uh, hell of a guy and uh, definitely missed for sure. So keep up the good work, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. That was, that was a good one, huh? It is good. I, I didn't I didn't expect that. I never heard that before. <laughs> Mike Garrison. That was the ones I was talking about, the short course showdowns, where he kind of had like a, almost got like a new career in a way um, doing those events. He was real, uh, he did really well uh, doing those events. Yeah. All right. All right, this one here is from our good friend Justin Doyle. And uh, Justin has a new podcast out called Race City RC Podcast. And I believe mm-hmm. uh, Paul Wynn was on the most uh, recent episode. A bunch of other drivers also. So Justin's doing a great job over there. And uh, uh, we're on episode 191. I think Justin's catching us. He's on one, uh, 190, I think he is on that right now. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> somewhere there. He's really pumping about fast. So you got to slow down there, Justin. You're making me look He's like bad doing like four or five a week. Yeah, I know. He's, uh, he's all pumped up. Yeah. So, all right, we'll play Justin's. Hey guys, Justin Doyle here. Uh, just wanted to leave a message um, remembering Brian Kinwald. Uh, first, just definitely my thoughts and prayers and condolences to his uh, friends and family. Um, but my first memory of Kinwald would probably be the car action uh, article. I think it was 94, 95 when he won the uh, Roar Nats in uh, Savannah. And I remember seeing that magazine as a kid and just looking at those cars with the paint jobs and and then, the, you know, had some underbody shots with the anodizing, the blue anodizing. And 
I was just I wanted my double XT to look just like that. And uh I remember even that that was probably the first time I learned about anodizing and, and blue anodized uh aluminum and remember I wanted blue anodized parts of my bike and everything and uh it was just everything uh about his cars looked good. The decals, the the paint job and I don't know, it just it just was uh as a kid, man, that was even to this day, like his stuff just looked good. But uh, now that I'm older, thinking about Kenwald and, and hearing more of these stories because I never got to meet him, uh, what's really inspiring is that he was a leader. Um, you know, if something didn't work, he fixed it or he stayed on, up all night just reinventing uh, what would work. And um, I think that's a good lesson for all of us. It's easy to, you know, switch cars or uh, put in a new part, but, you know, why not uh, – have the mindset of Kinwald and be a leader and just make it work, figure it out. And I think that that's something I always remember about him. All right. So there you go. Justin Doyle, um, you know, looking through the car action magazines. I mean, that's what I did back then and, and try to, you know, look at the photos they took of the chassis and stuff and just to see what those guys were doing, you know? But I mean, yeah, wasn't that cool to like, uh, well, I don't know for you, you're different, you're a pro, but uh, looking at the car actions, looking at these guys, what they got on our cars and so forth. Yeah, for me, it was the the Cliff Lead and the Masami cars that I remember yeah. looking at the most. Okay. <clears throat> you know, the, the Kinwall stuff was cool after the fact. Um, but yeah, the, the Cliff stuff, Masami cars, those were real special uh, for me to look at for sure. And, um, yeah, the funny thing, that's the, the the race Justin Doyle's bringing up is the one that I got second in the kid wall. <laughs> like, damn, my car could have been in there. What could have been? Mm-hmm. That, uh, that was the race we figured out with LRP um, that the new LRP speed control didn't work with I can't remember if it was a certain receiver or my certain radio or I can't remember what it was, but they were ready. They were about set to come out with the LRP speed control. And we got to that race. Oh, it didn't work on 75 megahertz. That's what it was. Oh. I think I was like, cause Kidwell was eighth qualifier at that race. And I was ninth. And I had, you know, back then there was only like X amount of 27 band. Yeah. And I remember having, I think what it was is I had to switch to 75 band. And <clears throat> and the new LRP speed control didn't work on 75 band wow. with the, uh, with my CS2P radio or whatever I was running, 3PS or whatever radio it was. So I couldn't run the main with 75 band. So I, I think I had to run like my funny crystals. The illegal ones. Yeah. <laughs> so I ran the main with my, uh, my funny crystals cause I couldn't run 75 band, but, um, you and then LRP went and LRP went back <laughs> to Germany and they had to fix before they went to production. So the thing would work correctly. Hmm. Uh, interesting with the uh, yeah so it's pretty wild wow that's crazy uh we got another call here from will Britton. you know will good friend of the show yep mm-hmm. but here's will Britton on uh his memory of kenwald 
Hey guys, uh, this is Will Renton. Um, I heard the last podcast that uh, uh, guy you just posted a little bit ago, and uh, you know, he's like, I have a story about Brian, and you know, I didn't really know him very well, but uh, I'm sure that I mean a lot of ton of people probably knew him a lot better than I ever did. But um, I only met him twice. Um, the first time I ever met Brian was at uh, the Hobbyplex, uh, short course showdown. I think it was 2011 or 2012. It was like one of the last races that I think he really traveled to. And, um, I, he was running his, uh, SC10 and I thought, thought it was mid motor converted, but, um, I went over and looked at it and there was like all this carbon fiber, like, just perfectly cut out that I'd never seen before, like on it, like a top tray or something. And I asked him, like, so did you like set that up and like give like a router or something? He's like, no, I just use a Dremel. I'm like what? Use a Dremel on that? He's like, yeah, I just got it out of my hand. I mean, that guy <laughs> could do like, he was just such a craftsman. He could do anything he wanted, uh, you know, with an RC car. And, uh, you know, one of the first times I'd ever seen him, I think I was, uh, eight or nine, and I had the Trinity uh, 97 Worlds video, and when he won the Worlds that year, you know, of course, he was all over that video, and, like, he was just the man, and, you know, I would get uh, RC car actions, uh, you know, from, like, sixth grade and on, and you go to the grocery store, I was, like, you know, my parents would be shopping or something, I would just go look at RC car actions, and um, he was just all over him, and I told somebody, uh, a few, like, you know, after I found out he died, it was like, man, uh, we all kind of, I, I always felt like I grew up with him, you know, one magazine and one video at a time when I was a kid, and, um, you know, uh, I mean, he's just one of the greatest, uh, you know, he did everything, he was with tires, and, um, you know, I'm that guy that's always, trying the next thing with tires, and uh, that was one thing I talked to him uh, in, at that short course showdown race, you know, uh, just testing stuff to put on tires, because I told him, you know, risk go karts for a long time, and this stuff, that stuff just does not work on these tires, and I said, you know, I go to, like, a hardware store, or a paint store, or whatever, and I'll buy uh, cans of stuff, or, like, you know, liquid wrench type thing, you know, whatever, and just... I'll have, like, used tires or new tires out in my garage, like, on a table. Like, I'm one of those guys that's always tweaking on tires, and, you know, I'll go to, like, you know, paint store or hardware store and buy uh, a whole bunch, whole bunch of different chemicals to try on tires. And, you know, I'll set, you know, used tires or new tires out in my garage uh, on a table. At least I did a long time ago. I'd spray different stuff on them, you know, see what felt grippy, what felt good, what soaked in fast, and... I was telling Brian about that, and he's like, yeah, that's what I do, you know. And it's like, oh, I mean, I thought I was the only crazy person, you know. <laughs> but, you know, he was just really approachable, and, um, you know, he talked he talk to anybody. And uh, but after I talked to him about, you know, tires that one day, we just kind of clicked. And um, when I started doing uh, my, own tire, my own tire sauce, um, he hooked me up or, you know, showed me where to buy the containers to mix it and, uh, just super helpful and, you know, he'll be truly missed. And, uh, uh, I mean, there's a 
I mean, he just had so much value. So, but thanks, you know, rest in peace, Brian. Uh, I didn't know you very well, but I'll, I'll miss you. So thanks. There you go, Will Britton. That was pretty awesome. Messing around tires. Yeah. He was definitely inspired you to like tires. <clears throat> All right. We got, uh, we have one more here and this is from Ryan Mayfield's dad, Perry Mayfield. Hey, my name's Perry Mayfield, and I wanted to share a little story with you folks about Brian Kimwald. Brian, our son, must have been about 12 or 13, maybe. It was at a Cactus Classic, and he was making it in, into the uh, A's at the A mains at that time. And uh, it was during, a, I don't know if it was a qualifier or one of the first mains, but Brian came over to our pit after the main event or the qualifier, and told us that uh, if Ryan was going to start racing with the big boys, that he needed to try to learn a little more finesse in his driving. And um, Tanya and I, Ryan's mother, took uh, a great compliment in that, that, you know, one of the greatest in the world would come over and uh, give us a little advice about our son, who was, like I said, he was just stepping up into that um realm of a mains and you know running with some of them fast guys man so anyway we wanted to i wanted to share that story with you it was uh quite a compliment for us so we love brian kimwald have a great day there you go I, um it's about as cool as you're gonna get yeah kimwald given a young ryan mayfield advice <laughs> 12 years old you know <laughs> Ryan tells that story a little differently, but (laughs) but 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 I think that gets the point across. Okay, (laughs) it's cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. Appreciate everybody calling in. That was awesome, sharing their stories. And then we had a few people. Brian has a funny story. This this necessarily isn't about Brian, but it made me think about it. <laughs> All right. So please share. So Ryan's at they're doing the Cactus Classic and the B4 first came out. Okay. And No, I'm sorry. The B they're racing B3s. This is the year before. They're racing B3s and um Mayfield was curious as to what shock oil um Billy Easton and Mark Pavitas were running. Hmm. So he asked Billy Easton, you know, cause Billy and Mark were the superstars. Uh, he asked those, uh, Billy, he's like, Hey, you know, I'm kind of struggling with my B3, just kind of wondering, you know, what, what, oil, you know, what oil you got in that thing. And uh, Billy looks at him and just goes clear. <laughs> <laughs> So, so the story <laughs> goes on. Wow. And the very next year, the B4 comes out. Okay. And um, so Ryan was a 75% off associated driver at the time. And he got his B4 for the cactus. And, you know, he's getting older. He's much quicker. Uh, and 
um, but didn't go to many different events other than California or Arizona. But so they're running the cactus and, and Ryan is just hauling ass with his B4 and the thing is just super good. And he said, like, he didn't know a lot, um, about what to do, but you know, he's using different, uh, setups and different oils from, you know, whatever he had available or whatever somebody gave him, you know, he, the, obviously the weight, the oil weight he had down, but you know, later on people get involved in like, Oh, which oil are you using? Are you using associated or using low C or Trinity oil or whatever? Yeah. So he was running really well with his B4. I think he actually TQ'd and, uh, so Billy Easton comes up to him and says, dude, how is your car so good on this track? Mine's horrible. Something oh. to that effect. What shock oil are you using? No, no way. <laughs> so Mayfield got his, his uh, opportunity, and he responds with, clear. <laughs> So he said that was his. Uh, wow, I can't believe that. It's perfect. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and then he said it wasn't long. It wasn't much longer after that. Mike Reedy comes over and he's like, hey, Ryan, um, what shock weather are you running? <laughs> so then he had to tell Mike Reedy. Mm. And they're like, so then he shows them the bottle. It's like a Trinity it's like Trinity oil. Yeah. And I guess, uh, Reedy goes back and tells, uh, Mark and Billy or, yeah, he's running like Trinity, like 45 way or whatever it is. You know? Yeah. And they're like, no way. That oil's horrible. He's freaking lying to you. What? Mike. That's garbage. That's that oil's garbage. <laughs> like, you know, cause they're like, um, hmm. anyway, how can they say it about Trinity? oil? Trinity oil was top notch. At least when I when me and Kirby were there, it was top notch. So you're looking at yeah. I mean, I think that at, was just the word on the street that it wasn't you know exactly the numbers weren't perfect, so it was we had like a, different than the others. When I when I first started working at Journey, I was like you know I went back and uh, there was this lady there mix doing the shock oil. Her job was to take the bottles. You know, you got the you grab the 35 weight and you had to go over here and put 35 weight oil in it, and mm-hmm. uh, she had these. We called her Lucy Vegas, we called her, because she was always going to vacation in Vegas. <laughs> but if she was having a bad day, then, you know, I don't know if uh, maybe, you know, you weren't getting exactly 35 weight oil, 30 weight oil or whatever. And then when he went with Trinity, when we went to 32.5s and stuff, oh, man, that really confused her. So, Oh, I bet. But, uh, and then she had these big glasses that she wore, like Coke bottles. So, you know, I don't know if her eyesight was the greatest, but, you know, hey. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Billy and Mark knew. Got the job done, Lucy. The site, she was good. The site on Lucy Vegas Lucy, was a little sketchy. <laughs> Lucy Vegas, right. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. But uh, I don't think I ever got put on shock oil duty. Ryan Hand did that sometimes. Messed around and got a triple-double. Yeah. So, okay. All right, well, there you have it. Great calls. Appreciate it. So that's it. I mean, uh, Brian Kinwald, you know, going to be missed. So 
never forgotten. I'm sure you guys will come up with some race that will be every year for him. So should be. I hope so. Yeah. Well, it's almost a certain, I mean, but, um, be cool. Going to be uh, missed greatly. That's for sure. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, so it was, uh, it's been a while since recorded. I mean, uh, but you've been t- to a lot of events. When was the last episode we did? Uh, it was the beginning of April, and uh, I can't remember where you're heading off to, but there was a three, four week, three to four weeks there. You were gone. At, yeah. So, well, you had the wedding. I mean, we've, we've had, yeah, yeah we, we did Cody Numadal's wedding. We did two, one uh, J Concepts uh, NCTS opener that was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did that. Um, then our second round of that series was in uh, Albany, Oregon. Right. And uh, between there, we had uh, we just did the Silver State race, uh, which was had 680 <clears throat> entries there for that. Jeez. Wow. And <clears throat> we did the the Monster Truck Solid Showdown event. That was uh, one of. One of the cooler events we've done so far this year, Solid Showdown. That was in uh, Virginia? Uh, three. Is that the one? Yeah. Okay. Virginia. We had 330 entries there. Wow. All solid all solid monster trucks. Um, they just had the stock nationals over the weekend. That was at OCRC Raceway. That was uh, one of the, the better uh, events OCRC's had here this year. <laughs> How do we do there? Well, uh, Kyle Layton won uh, two wheel drive and four wheel drive, and uh, using our stuff, associated mm-hmm. cars, running the ellipse rear gold compound, dirt web fronts, golds, and then the uh, uh, truck was won by Matt Gonzalez. He was running our new truck ellipse tires on there. And so that went well. And then over at Silver State, uh, Spencer won eight scale e buggy, and then Mayfield got third in Nitro and fifth in Truggy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, I think Mayfield wanted to do better than he did. Uh, I, I kind of feel like it, it took him a while to get rolling, and. But I think it just was such a difficult track. Mm. And it feels like you never quite had the handle on how things were changing. And, um, and now at the Nitro races, the races are so difficult because they don't give you a warm up. So, like, your first lap around the track is you come off a pit lane, yeah. you come off a pit lane, you get one warm up lap and you're on the clock. Wow. So tradition, traditionally with nitro, you had a three minute warm up, and then your qualifier would start. So you could, you could run a few laps, come in the pits, change your tune. You could change tires if you wanted yeah. a lot of room for adjustments and <laughs> learning the track. Now with these races, they're running so many entries, they're taking the warm up away so they can run more qualifiers, which really puts a lot of pressure on you learning the track 
what changes in that very first lap. Hmm. So that makes the qualifying just not impossible, but really difficult. Yeah. And so, yeah, Ryan didn't get off to the best start in qualifying. He qualified a little lower than he normally would. And then um, the track's changing the whole time. We're trying to decide what tires to use. He's changing his settings. Uh, but then we got to the main and we chose a tire. Uh, he went, changed his car. It took him about 10 minutes to get rolling. And then once he did, he didn't really lose any time. But he lost a lot of time in the first 10 minutes. And he just couldn't make that up on the top two. But he was able to get into third and put in a pretty good run and uh, was solid. So he did a good job. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's weird because the Truggy main, he didn't really run that great in qualifying. And then in the main, he we didn't really have the right tire for him. Uh, we looked back at what we ran the year before and we brought tires for Truggy. That was kind of what we ran the year before. And we needed one step harder tire that we didn't bring. And, um, so kind of going into the Truggy main, I was a little disappointed that we didn't have the compound there that I felt like he needed to be a little quicker. Um, and it wasn't just him, you know, Spencer was in the main too. It would have been nice to, have both guys on a harder tire but we just didn't have it and and but we did our best and it was funny because he really came back in that race too and got fifth and truggy which doesn't sound like all that hot but um he really he caught up to the battle for second first dakota was checked out and gone and then he broke and then joe bornhorse kind of inherited the lead and uh, held it but second place from second through fifth these guys were like to almost on the same section of the track so uh, ryan caught all the way up to that battle and it was probably the happiest i've ever been with a fifth place <laughs> considering considering where he started and kind of coming through the pack and then that was kind of how i felt about buggy you know it was nice to get on the podium and it was like almost like a world's feeling where it was like, man, it was like nice that we got something to show for being here and, and uh, running those two mains. And it is a grueling race. Mm. The track is so dusty in there. You got the smoke from the cars and the fumes and um, the track is super bumpy. It's really, uh, it was really grooved up by the end. And it, it's just really a, a, a a challenge for the drivers and the product. So it was nice to kind of, you know, get something out of it and get in there. But anyway, yeah, that was real happy with what those results considering where we started. And then of course, Spencer winning, uh, e-buggy. That was the highlight. We got a big win Doing because it. that, that is just as competitive as any class. Um, the e-buggies themselves might be, uh, you know, the best-selling eight skills out there. Wow. So, <laughs> cool. Spencer, you know, Spencer worked hard, too. I mean, he didn't do very well at the Nitro Challenge earlier in the year. Uh, and he kind of spent the next 
few months, well, maybe a month or two, just kind of learning about it, uh, trying to go out to the track, try to get faster, get better. And he did. Um, he improved. He got a win, uh, an e-buggy, which, which weird is that traditionally that's not one of his better classes. Um, but he, uh, yeah. I mean, he was fast. I mean, he, he was like the fastest guy in e-buggy. He just kind of came out of nowhere. And, man, he did so well, which is good to see. Uh, our two carpet uh, NCTS races, uh, probably the standout guy that you just don't, really think of but he's coming up through the ranks is um a brock champlin you know somebody we, we talked to before on the podcast him and his brother but man those first two carpet races he was so fast uh, he tq'd the one in vegas and four-wheel drive and then he tq'd both in oregon and he won two-wheel pretty convincingly and he would have won four wheel but broke on the last lap and Mayfield won the overall. So man, he's been flying. Jeez. Uh, definitely flying. Uh, so yeah, Brock won, uh, one class there. Mayfield won one class in Oregon and then Mayfield won both in, uh, California or I'm sorry, in Vegas. So pretty cool. They just released the new, uh, rankings the top 25 rc after the uh the last couple races which was silver state over the weekend we just talked about that and then yeah. the big um debut of the rc gp over in uh, the philippines oh right right so it really shuffled some things up having those two races uh, it moved uh it moved mayfield to the top of the list Tessman second Angaro third Tebow fourth Ronald Falk fifth Elliot Boot six Robert Battle seven Cavalry eight Larry eight Juan Carlos Canas ninth <clears throat> Cole Ogden tenth hmm. so uh, yeah I mean it's uh, this is, it's a cool system <clears throat> you know arguably you can uh, these these names, you know, everyone's got their favorite. Everyone knows thinks they know who the best is. But yeah. I mean, when you look at the, I mean, but this system tracks your results over a two year period, two year rotation, and it gives you points for those finishes. And when you look at this list, um, I mean, you may be able to argue what order they're in, but when you look at the driver names, this thing is freaking accurate. I mean, you look at, um, I mean, you can certainly say Mayfield, Ty Tessman, Ungaro, Tebow, Ronafalk. Uh, that's the top five. I mean, I mean, the, the names are correct. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, put them in whatever order you want, depending on which day and race it is. But the names are correct. Sure, you could say Robert Battle, seven. Yeah, maybe he could be a little higher, but yeah, who's he going to bump out? Yeah, he's going to bump out Mayfield, Tessman, Ungaro, or Tebow, or Runnafall. Uh, the list is pretty strong, so it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's why I was happy 
uh, you know, uh, Mayfield getting the third place at Silver State, uh, that's what, you know, allowed him to, you know, finish strong. Yeah. And, uh, and still maintain a good position on that list, which I think is cool. You know, it's, it's important. It was cool on on that top twenty five rankings. Um, on mm-hmm. the April fifth, they um, uh, in memory of Brian Kinwald, they put him number one. Oh, that's right. That yeah. was cool. Yeah. All right, and uh, what do we got? What else we got? Uh, we had the RCGP race in the Philippines. There was a lot of action talking about that. That was the first of a uh, you know their new organization, I guess, in a sense, trying to start a new race series for eight scale off-road, um, kind of the, 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 the points, bullet points, I guess, is they want to have a little bit more, uh, head to head racing, um, have teams competing for not only team championships and manufactured championships. Um, it runs along the same lines as more of a real motorsport organization, um, it's, uh, JQ is involved along with several other people. Um, but they had their, the first event for that. And, um, it's kind of, it's a little bit, it's definitely unique because, uh, there's other people getting involved to sponsor racers, uh, to pay their way to get to this event. And it's, changing how the appearance of people's cars are and hmm. uh and that type of thing so like for instance david ungaro davide ungaro uh he was racing under a different not a necessarily a different teammate name but he was under this umbrella of a company that just wanted to pay his travel to go to the race Oh, okay. So they have like a team um, put together uh, that's just paying for his travel to, to do it. And, and, uh, and, you know, he still has associated stickers and LRP and AKA and his sponsors, but they're smaller and he's got bigger stickers on the car for the company that's he's racing under their umbrella for the weekend. It's kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, and, HB Racing is probably the primary sponsor of the series, so they're still, you know, got all their brandings the same, and HB and their new brand, Performa. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely kind of different. You know, people were talking about it, trying to follow the racing a little, and see what's different about it, and you know what's good. And, um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they got another one, I guess, in four weeks. Uh, there's a little bit of drama that happened from the race, and there's going to be some stuff going down. But um, it's uh, David Ronafalk was there racing, you know, running our stuff. Um, mm-hmm. He was, you know, consistently running second fast to Ungaro the whole time. They, they, because the format changes. It's a little different of a race, so it's not always just like qualifiers in Maine. They do it a little different. So, you know, for the lack of a better word, it's just a different format that they have. But um, 
Yeah, but um, Angaro was kind of dominating, but David was the second fastest. He was right there, lap time-wise. Winning his fair share of races and being in contention, and then in the main, he had an issue. His tires kind of came off the wheels, and um, I don't know what happened, but um, it didn't end good for him. He ended up getting fourth, and probably instead of second overall. So kind of something that didn't go so hot there for us, but... Something that happens, um, it's happened to many racers and probably won't be the last time mm. that it happens to somebody. But, um, yeah, it was kind of a crappy <laughs> ending for, for our guys there. Um, but in general, it sounded like they liked the race um, and they had a good time. Um, you know, people are kind of after us why we haven't supported the series, but that's probably a different show for a different time but um but in general uh, you know I, I paid attention and checked in on the guy our guys and you know we sent product there and tried to have yeah. david up to speed as much as possible and <clears throat> didn't necessarily work out in our benefit there in the end but uh sometimes i guess that happens Who, who's broadcasting that is it um rctv <laughs> Yeah, they did have those guys over there. I didn't watch it on there. I just kind of checked for normal Facebook updates and saw what was going on. But I know people were watching their broadcast. and You know, they like it just like you do. A lot of people like them. Oh, yeah. Kind of give you that motorsports vibe uh, when you're watching it, which I think is what people like about it. And so when's this series, like how often does it run? Well, this is the first one. Uh, there's another one, I believe, in I think it's in Austria in like four weeks. Okay, I'd have to look it up to see what the entire schedule is, but yeah, um, uh, that's what I remember. How many races is it? Uh, I think it's five or six. <laughs> I can tell you here in a second. Watch results. Da, 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 da. It looks really cool if you're a pro racer. Well, I imagine you would have to be a pro racer. Well, they do have a class for non pros. Yeah. It's really you, kind of. How are you going to travel to all those events? You got to go to how many. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, if you're not kinda, a pro, you know what I mean? Part of it. That's kind of part of it. Yeah. That's the the hitch is in order to be involved, you have to sign up. And when you sign up, uh, like a team, say if Associated wanted to have their two drivers entered into this, okay. they have to sign up for those two drivers is $5,000. Wow. And then, and then you got to pay to travel to the events on top of that. Wait, who has to pay? The the manufacturer. Okay. So like if associated has two drivers going, their entry fee is $5,000. Okay. And then for all the events, you know, that combines it all. Oh, that's for everything. And okay. I believe so. Yeah. Plus there is, you know, then that makes them involved in, um, their sponsorships on top of all this. And there, there's a lot going on in this. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's different, uh, which is their ideas. They want it to be different. They want to try to bring in some, um, out of the industry affiliates hmm. 
and they're, they're trying to make things a little different and they have some goals that, uh, okay. So June 7th through the 9th in Austria is the next one. Then August is Italy is round is the, is a five and six. And then there is one in the USA, but that's to be determined. Okay. But, yeah, but that's it. That race ran. Um, <clears throat> Angara won both legs. Um, uh, Rona Folk had, had some speed. He had some bad luck in the 60 minute final, but the other events, he didn't have any issues. And I mean, he was right there too, but I think he tied with Angaro on one of the legs. So there was some competition for sure. I mean, those guys are probably definitely the fastest and you put, uh, Ungaro, or no, you put, uh, Robert battle and, uh, Juan Carlos Canas in there. Those are probably the top. Those are probably the four fastest guys. So, right. So I, so I understand this. So now like if you wanted to get involved, you would have to have a team. Um, so it have if to be Jay Concepts, Concepts, I think we, I think J Concepts could have a wild card team because we're not actually a manufacturer of the cars. Oh, I'm not gotcha. sure how all that. Okay. I'm not sure how that works, to be honest. Oh, that's what the wild if, card if, means. Yeah, I think the wild card is kind of like, but yeah, but what's also strange is this Scampi Russo team mm-hmm. is. They're not a wild card team, but they're not a manufacturer. So I'm not sure oh. how that part works. All right. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we could if we if we wanted to, um, or you know, basically we're just kind of involved because our drivers are are racing too. Well, this is nothing that Radio Impound could afford, so uh, don't ask us to help you uh, enter the RCGP World Series. Listeners, <laughs> listeners, yeah, I'm out. I'm definitely out. But uh, looks cool. Yeah, see how it plays out. I'll have to check this out on YouTube later. The YouTubes. Yeah. All right. So uh, RCGP. Then uh, what do we got going on this week? And, and um, so this weekend, J Concepts is heading to the. Um, well, there's a King of the Stock race in Florida. Uh, that new Red Hobbies, Paul's going to head out there oh. and be involved in that event. Uh, that's about an hour from us. And then um, Fred and I are going to go out to the Monster Jam World Finals. Typically, that event is held in Vegas, but the next two years, it's going to be in Orlando. Oh, wow. Um, so they have an RC portion of the program that runs, that's taking place outside of the stadium. So there's a guys uh, that are setting up a track out there and uh, Fred and I were invited to participate. It's kind of a show for spectators uh, because there's spectators around um, looking at the real trucks and just kind of, you know, it's kind of like the, I don't know, it's for the lack of a better word. It's like the stuff you see going on around like a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how they have like a, all kinds of satellite little things going on around the Super Bowl. Oh yes, I know all about the Super Bowl. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. I'd say this is kind of like the Super Bowl of monster trucks. They got a lot of stuff going on out there, and they got like seventy real monster trucks out there. What seventy? Um, yeah, yeah. There's like seventy wow. real trucks in Orlando, um, and 
there's only so many that compete in the actual show, but uh, there's 70 out there in total. So, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that, that's going on, and we're a part of the Fred and I, a part of the RC program, which is for the spectators. I mean, there is winners and losers in this RC program, but in general, it's just to put on a show while the spectators are walking around and chilling and they've been doing this for three or I think it's three years now. It did it the last three years in Vegas, I believe, or it's two, two or three anyway. And I guess it's done really well with the spectators. Um, the RC guys like putting on a show, whether it's RCs, they're racing or they're doing freestyle. Um, so I'm going to do the racing. Uh, Fred's going to do the freestyle. Um, uh, he he likes to do freestyle. I like to race, and um, I suck at freestyle <laughs> for some reason. Like yeah. every time I ever attempt it, I'm like, it's like I've never. But anyway, yeah. um, he he likes freestyle. He's good at it. Yeah. And uh, so I do the racing and see how it goes. Going to use some of my trucks that we used recently. Um, see if they work and make it through the program without too much wrenching. And, uh, we got some other great drivers in town uh, that are part of the program, and there's other guys uh, coming from California. Um, Trevor Adamo, and, uh, a lot of guys that are really good racers on the West Coast coming out to be a part of the RC part. And so it's good. At, yeah. um, I kind of, uh, I've been kind of dreading it a little bit during the week because we're, we're still working on the vehicles, and Fred's been having to do so much work. Um, getting the bodies on the trucks and making them look cool, but um, in the end, it'll be worth it. Uh, once you get there, there, you'll be all pumped up. Yeah, I think we'll get there and, and um, feel a little bit better about the about the situation. So hmm. uh, it's just it, it is. It's a lot of work to have prep for any event, and when uh, and you know something like this in particular. There's uh, just as much prep, if not more, because of the the bodies have to look so good and like the real thing. And yeah. Fred's working hard, and all the RC guys. I mean, they bust their butt and to make these things look good. And people pull all nighters getting their bodies done, and it, it's just that'll be fun. Yeah, it's a lot of. Once, um, it's kind of like WrestleMania, like uh, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> WrestleMania for monster trucks, Super Bowl <laughs> for monster trucks, right? Um, so cool yeah you guys will have fun yeah hope so all right episode 191 and i uh, appreciate everybody uh that uh, sent their messages in and uh people that called in i know we had a few people that uh messaged me and said oh i don't feel like uh, you know I, they didn't want to call or they're nervous or whatever but uh i thought it was a cool idea and i appreciate those guys that did so some cool stories and yeah, absolutely. uh absolutely yeah, and hopefully we wanted to get Kirby on this show with us because Kirby had some, and uh, hopefully uh, when he has free time, I don't know when that is during the summer, I think that's almost impossible to get him on the show. Um, and also check out, I, you know, it was really weird, Jason, and I mentioned this, um, is I did a throwback episode, so I, I just re-uploaded the Kinwald episode like two months ago. Okay. 
So, um, you know, I edit it down to where it just starts right into the interview. So it, it's really cool. It's over an hour and a half with Kinwald. And okay. um, I noticed I was getting tons of hits here this month. So, but that, that was a cool interview and you guys can go up there and listen to that. Yep. Check out jconcepts.net. Got all the, got all the cool accessories that you need. The tires, getting all new new stuff coming out all the time. Jason's shipping all that stuff out. You guys are really busy over there, I see. We are constantly busy working on new stuff. And you guys update that site. Man, you guys, you're quick on that stuff. You got somebody in-house doing that or what? Oh, yeah. All right. That's my homepage, by the way, don't you, you know? That's good. I'm just kidding. It's the Patriots. Um, <laughs> go <laughs> Go to carpies.com. He just put up a new website and you go over there and get our t-shirt uh, t-shirts and hats. I believe he's, he's doing and decals. Just tell him anything. He can make anything with rip on it. So, um, but yeah, carpies.com new website. Click on radio impound t-shirts are up there. And then rip, you can, rip off. <laughs> and then you can go to stick at one.com. If you guys go there, get the logo there. BoomRC.net, same thing. Mike Garrison, he'll hook you up. Boom. And then visit our good friend Paul Lemieux over at TeamGravityRC.com. We just gave away some uh, Team Gravity hats recently. Yeah, nice hats. And I just shipped out more race prizes to some guys today. So if you're a patron of the show at Patreon.com slash Radio Impound, you're always in a running to win something. Jason goes to these races and brings stuff back. And we still have some stuff to give away. And, and one of them is a Ryan Mayfield chassis, right? That's right. You want to explain that? that? You want to explain that chassis? I don't know if he did in the episode, but we have a chassis that's autographed by Mayfield. Yep. And he and, uh, he laughed because he was about, uh, he took a car apart. And I was like, hey, you going to do anything with that chassis? He's like, no. I'm like, well, can I take it for a giveaway? And he's like, sure. He's like, it does it's not anything special though. He's like, he goes, I think I got second with it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, write second on there. <laughs> so he autographed it and then put second place. <laughs> yeah. So it's awesome. Kind though. of a fun joke. Yeah, yeah, kind of a fun joke, but yeah. it is a nice chassis from the Yokomo two wheel. And and then I got some tires. Uh, I brought back some tires from the weekend here. So whenever we run out of that stuff, we got some more tires. Right. So. Okay. Off the track. All right. So I'll run a, this weekend, we will run a contest uh, for some of the race prizes. And mm-hmm. uh, just check our Facebook page. And if you're a patron of the show, you're in the running. You just got to respond to my Facebook pages or my post when I say, uh, hey, pick a wrestler. Because I do this stuff over uh, WWE 2K19. We do these, uh, these, the guys love it, by the way, the battle Royals we do, or the ladder matches, they love to win prizes that way. So they pick a wrestler and the wrestler represents them in the, in the video game. Something different besides just picking Yeah, it seems to work. Yeah, they love it. So, so appreciate all the support over there. And, uh, that's it. Episode 191 in the books. Nine more to go. Nine more to go. We'll catch you guys next show. See ya.